0: でお Welcome to this week's episode of Fish. Before we get going, just want to let you know, thank you for all your feedback about last week's ultimate crossover episode. Uh, It was very enjoyable to do. In fact, so much so, we've decided to do it again. Except this time, we've decided to crossover completely. A full crossover. A 360 crossover. Done. we messed up again, didn't we? We lost an entire episode.
1: (laughs) Somehow. So, if you were in Bristol... A few months ago, quite a few months ago, you will have seen an amazing show, guys. I've got to tell you, this was one of the best shows we ever
2: did. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like we recorded it. So only you Bristolians will have the memory of that show. And then this is kind of the lesser version, yeah. you say? Yeah. Oh, it's still worth listening to. I would say. Yeah, definitely it's, it's
3: definitely one for the completists, I'd say. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. It's amazing how negative you guys are. We haven't even recorded it yet. <laughs> <I know. laughs> So enjoy this week's episode. Here we go. Hello, and welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Covent Garden. My name is Dan Schreiber, and I'm sitting here with Andrew Hunter-Murray, James Harkin, and Anna Chizinski. And once again, we have gathered around the microphones with our four favorite facts from the last seven days. And in no particular order, here we go. Starting with you, Andy.
3: Okay, my fact is, it's about Bristol, actually. I just chose it completely at random out of all the cities I could have chosen. uh, And I learned it about four months ago, shortly before we performed (laughs) in Bristol. My fact this week is that the first hot air balloon flight in Bristol was indoors.
1: Mm -hmm. And people at home have to imagine the cheers and laughter of the Bristol crowd when they first heard that. They went
0: nuts when Andy said that. (laughs) (laughs) My
3: God. Um, So there's this firm in Bristol called Cameron Balloons, and it's the world's biggest balloon firm, basically. Bristol is the capital of hot air ballooning pretty much in the world, definitely in the UK. Uh, And the first flight was in 1784, and you had to go indoors to see it. And you had to pay a little amount to see it, and if you paid more, apparently you could see it filled up with air. <laughs> apparently there was a
1: pricing structure where. Wait a minute. So the people who didn't pay much they just saw a
3: load of canvas. I I it sounds like that, doesn't it? Yeah. I can't quite believe that's true.
0: Was this new to people at the time? As in how long did balloons exist before this happened? That's a great question.
3: A really good question.
1: So they had the Aztecs. They had, um, they made like balloons out of animal intestines. Mm. I think we know that. Um, And I remember reading once that they made balloon animals out of those intestines. (laughs) 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 But I don't know, that doesn't sound very true, does it?
2: So, I mean, how big were the animals back then? What do you mean? As in, did they make like a full hot air balloon out of an animal No, no, no,
1: sorry. So just balloons in general, I'm saying about the history of, not the history of hot air balloons. I
0: see. Yeah. uh, and the Civil War, they definitely had hot air balloons, because Lincoln had a hot air balloon, balloon corp, uh, corpse. Cool. corpse.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Why do I say corpse? corps? Just keep throwing guesses at the letters that you Cor- see. corps,
0: Corpus. <laughs> uh, yeah, he had a balloon corps, and um, they had seven balloons, and they used to go over, and uh, the Confederates actually tried to build their own balloons in retaliation, and then they stopped doing them because people found them really easy to shoot it was, a, it was quite an easy target so we know it goes back as far as the civil war in America at least
2: yeah it, they were actually a huge deal in the 19th century hot air balloon flights and I think uh, in 1897 there was an attempt to reach the north pole by balloon that was three Swedish people who tried to get there they disappeared no one knew what had happened to them there were these reports of silk falling from the sky and then randomly in 1930 33 years later they were found in this thaw by whalers just by chance they found as the Thor came uh, these the bodies of these guys and they'd crashed after three days but they'd lived on these ice flows and they'd eaten polar bears for wow, uh, that is
1: hardcore yeah. isn't it I reckon, I reckon I'd go hungry before I decided to go for the polar
3: bear <laughs> 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 it was so sad though because they were convinced that they could steer their balloon over the North Pole Um, And it was partly funded by Alfred Nobel, their attempt. Oh, was it? it? Yeah. But unfortunately, the drag ropes didn't work very well. And in a few minutes, Mm -hmm. they fell off. So they had no way of steering. So they lost lots of ballast. And they kept on just bumping along the ground and leaking a bit and then rising a bit. Mm -hmm. And it took them 65 hours to to land. And they didn't get to the stores in time. Mm. So it was sad.
1: Ah. The other thing about eating polar bears is their livers (laughs) contain so much vitamin A that they're poisonous.
2: Yeah, that's awful right. if you die of vitamin A poisoning once yeah. you've survived the hot air balloon crash onto an ice floe <laughs> and then fought a polar bear to death with your bare hands.
0: Hey, um, this is quite cool about hot air balloons. So um, usually you're not allowed to fly in, in rain, and so so there's it's all weather dependent, isn't it, if anyone tries to fly. They can actually fly in wet weather. I guess it's just not recommended. But when you do fly in wet weather, um, the rain gets caught in and, and actually goes over the people inside the basket so it makes its way into the uh oh, yeah. into, but because of the flames it comes down like a hot shower so Ooh. it's really it's really warm water that drops on them <laughs> that's Isn't that? nice yeah Definitely. that's very cool yeah
3: um have you heard of splash and dash while we're nope. we talking about water and hot air ballooning no. splash and dash is a cool thing you can do if you have a hot air balloon it's where you sink just low enough to dip your toes into a lake and then climb up again Oh cool It's pretty risky
2: How do you get your toes Below the bottom Of the basket
3: Well there is a There is a trend For ballooning With no basket These days No Whoa. way You have a Come sofa on, You have Andy. a sofa
2: What
0: Yeah No, no.
3: Yeah. no I've never way. seen that well, it's, not, it's not very common It's a trend though <laughs> It's a trend
2: Are you serious People can go up In a sofa do you, they can, have, you have you to be can Strapped go up in a sofa. Right?
3: I, I think I think it's really Recommended That you strap <laughs>
1: yourself in <laughs> I don't know though Because I've never Fallen off my sofa That's true.
0: I mean, I don't know if that's true, but you look look to me like the kind of guy who (laughs) wouldn't. The type of things
1: that are easy to kind of...
2: Sound. That's true. Yeah. Not yeah. if it's swinging in high winds from a balloon that's a thousand feet up. <laughs> yeah. I don't have belts on my sofa, so I think mine wouldn't wouldn't be safe. Well, at all. I've had belts
0: fitted to all my sofas <laughs> at my home, and <laughs> just in case. Just in case, and they they saved my life on countless occasions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, speaking of no baskets for a hot air balloon, have you heard of um? S- they're called smoke hot air balloons. It was, a, it was a carnival attraction that used to happen. Nice. So this is during the 1800s. And there's footage that you can see of this online, and it's honestly incredible. This was a, a Daredevil uh, thing. So what they would do is Daredevils would attach themselves by a rope to an inflating hot air balloon with no baskets. It's simply the balloon. <laughs> so the balloon would completely fill up. <laughs> they would untether it, and it would rocket off into the sky. And these people would just be dragged behind it on the end of the ropes and would fly up after it. And when they got to a certain height, they would uh, loosen themselves from the rope, fall down, and parachute back to Earth.
2: Very That's it's very absolutely
0: cool. incredible. You see them lob up. Wow. And these people, they're surrounded by people in the videos, and they just go flung and disappear off into the air.
2: But you have to loosen yourself up before it gets too high, presumably.
0: Yeah, I think you obviously know when it's, you've had enough. Okay. Yeah.
3: I thought you were going to say they shot the balloon down. Why? Um... <laughs> I didn't, because I didn't imagine that they had a parachute on when you were describing it. So I was uh, thinking, how would I get myself out of this one? Yeah. And I I would have, my first choice would have been a gun instead of a
2: parachute. (laughs) (laughs) What one item do you want to take up with you? (laughs) Um, I read a brilliant account. Uh, This is actually the sources from 1838, but it was about something that happened in 1785. And it was when Jean-Pierre Blanchard, who was one of the first people to go up in a hot air balloon, went up. He went 6,000 feet up and then he dropped from his hot air balloon a dog attached to a parachute. Uh, just to kind of see what would happen. And this whirlwind apparently swept the dog away above the clouds. So it kind of disappeared. And Blanchard <laughs> is in his balloon. This is what the account says, handed down through the ages. Um, Blanchard was in his balloon and he met the dog in, who was in his parachute above <laughs> the clouds. Know.
1: This is rubbish. Do you remember that thing that Dad told us <laughs> about <laughs> the Loop the Loop guy? Yeah. Which is he true, fell right? out of
2: his
3: plane during a Loop of the Loop and then fell back into it once it had finished doing the Loop. Yeah, the so he loop. was upside down. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) he
0: fell down he thought he was doomed but his plane which was mid loop the loop met him at the bottom
1: so do you remember how obviously false that was look your thing sounds similar
2: Dan's defies physics mine imagine a really (laughs) small dog like a little terrier with a parachute in high winds Mm. it could be swept away into the clouds And then old Blanchard saw his dog above the clouds who barked with joy, apparently, (laughs) at seeing his master. He tried to grab him and they both had landed 12 minutes later, separately, after which the dog ran away. When you say barked with
1: joy, do you not mean barked in absolute terror? (laughs) Barked in like,
2: why the fuck did you just drop me out of that balloon, mate? He
1: then shit himself with joy. (laughs)
2: Um, ben Franklin Patented a balloon Related thing Like what? he painted it Everything else He patented A refrigerator That tethered To a balloon And it was meant To lift food up Into where the air Was cool And that's uh, how You'd yeah. refrigerate Your food what? I have heard Of that before yeah. That is so
0: cool It's inconvenient though It is If you're going For a late night snack it's...
1: <laughs> But yeah. all you have To do is pull it down You just kind of Winch it back down yeah. You get your food out And then you let it Go back up again
2: Again I was thinking Of shooting it down I forgot to <laughs> buy The Andy thing <laughs> (laughs) These eggs are broken again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it is time for fact number two, and that is Chuzinski.
2: My fact this week is that in rage rooms where people pay to smash things up, the things people want to smash up the most are printer's. Mm. yeah they hate them they hate printers so rage rooms are these things that are kind of popping up all over the place uh quite a few of them in america and in canada where you pay to go and you can either smash up their possessions so they provide a bunch <laughs> of stuff or you can bring your own stuff and they're becoming increasingly popular
3: Better to do with someone else's stuff right
2: well i think it depends how well, much you dislike that person if you dislike
3: your own stuff a lot yeah let's say well, why did a...
2: you buy it then
3: i know but let's say you've got a pen that you really don't like you're and not it's... gonna smash up a pen um,
2: that is the most pussy rage room attendant <laughs> I've ever seen. What? You turning up with one biro, <laughs> so have keeps, an hour with this keep, guy. Please. It keeps leaking.
3: <laughs> I do. I do it really psychologically though. I put it in a chair and then I shine a light in, in its nib. <laughs> 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 I ask it a load of questions before I beat it up. <laughs> uh, I'm holding a pen. I'm sorry. I've got a, yeah, I've yeah. Got a poor
0: imagination. <laughs> I love at the end of the hour you come up slightly beat up somehow.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just got stuff drawn on, obviously
2: Penn <laughs> pen strolls out nonchalantly <laughs> after you <laughs> hails a cab <laughs> um but no this is the thing if you go through the rage room sites there's there's one called battle sports in toronto that says it goes through 15 printers a week um wow. the same in new york uh and the fragment room in singapore they all say printers are our most sought after objects we need to provide lots of them people want to break them up
0: I like there's um, in America, in New York, there's the Wrecking Club. And the Wrecking Club, it has, you know, you can get packages that you can buy. So I Want It All is a package you can get, which is $149. Um, You can even buy gift certificates for people. So, you know, birthday presents, go for an hour in the rage room. They should have called it the Breakfast Club. Yes, they yeah. should have. Very nice. Why didn't they? Yeah. yeah. We should start our own. Yeah. You and your pens only. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, what's nice about this is it's the same, obviously, like every Rage Room. You go in and you destroy stuff. But what I particularly like is when they started, um, there was a guy who, who runs it called Mr. Daly um, or da- Daly? Daly? D-A-L-Y. Daly. He's called
2: Tom Daly, I think, actually. Oh,
0: is he? Mr. Tom Daly. So um, he when he was in there and they say this was an early setback, he was in the room showing a couple of all the things they they could do. His laptop, a video, and then he left the room. But he accidentally left the laptop in there, yeah. <laughs> smashed it up. <laughs> yeah, so he came back in at the end. He was like, Oh, and he didn't tell them because he thought, Oh, I don't want to ruin their experience. But he, as of then, started labeling everything as don't smash this. I went on the
1: Wikipedia for rage rooms, uh, but I did it about four months ago, so it might have been changed <laughs> by now. Um, but they said that the concept of an anger room is at least 20, at least 2,000 years old.
2: Hmm. is it oh, yeah, well
1: that's what wikipedia says and who are we <laughs> to doubt them
0: what do they say it is uh, they
1: say it was queen Kaikei, um who in an old book was said that she was going to uh, the palace anger room uh and actually it was a sulking chamber when i looked it up that's how it's usually translated <laughs> right. apparently it was like a dark room where you would lie down and sulk Mm. Okay. Yeah, so I not like really. Su- a rage I tree. do like the
3: sound of that, though.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because people manifest their rage manifests differently, doesn't it? Yeah. Some people just want to lie down in the dark and be really pissed off with the world. Some of us like to smash our <laughs> ex's stuff. Actually, the most. <laughs> <laughs> The most I say that because I think the most common thing for people who do bring in their own things are people who've had a breakup and they bring in all their ex's old stuff this is what the Toronto play said so it said for $20 extra you can bring your own stuff to smash and the founder said that um, by far and away the most common thing to do is to bring in your ex's stuff and he said the people often come in and you'll hear them screaming and shouting in there things like oh you think you're so good arg and then you'll hear a smash or oh, you Arrgh? think you're always right I think that's pronounced ah <laughs> <laughs> how do you how do, how do you spell arg then? Is it without the H? I don't think there is a
1: word Who arg, says arg?
2: That? Pirates. No,
0: they don't. They go, arrr. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. We've, we've been not been hearing the end of their sentences.
3: <laughs> One of the first ones that was set up in Dallas in 2011 by a lady called Donna Alexander, and she just started charging $5 to smash things that she collected from curbs in the area. Oh, okay. She just sort of picked it up, so it was very ad hoc at the beginning. Uh, and then she'd get people knocking on her door, kind of like a fight club, saying, is this where you go to smash stuff up? And her insurer had to invent an entirely new category just for her.
1: Ah, Very exciting. Cool. Yeah. And what do you mean by just picking stuff up, like as in flight tipping? You know, when people like
3: leave, yeah, leave things out. Exactly. Fly tipping, like leave an old fridge out or, or drop a lot of pens that they don't want <laughs> anymore because they're faulty. Uh, <laughs> that kind of wow. thing.
1: That's really cool. Yeah. Um, stuff on printers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was reading about printer jams. Uh, and everyone finds them very annoying Mm. apart from people who work in printers who find them really exciting (laughs) they say it's the it's the the elemental struggle between the natural and the mechanical because paper is made out of trees Mm. and printers are made out of metal and shit and plastic
3: I think the ultimate challenge is throwing a dog with a parachute (laughs) out of a hot air balloon (laughs) (laughs) and then catching it again
2: (laughs) do you guys know about the first printer ever to go into space? No. Uh, This was a printer that was sent up on the ISS in 1998. Sorry, this was the first colour printer ever to go into space. So it was sent up in 1998 with a discovery mission, and it was used solely to make Halloween masks. So it was sent up, it was kind of a secret thing. So John Glenn, who was by then a senator, was on that mission. But he'd been the third person, I think, to orbit the Earth in 1962. And so he was this big space hero by that point. And so on that 1998 mission, the whole crew printed colour portraits of him off this floppy disk and they made these portraits into Halloween masks. And then they all went oh. around pretending to be John Glenn in a nod to his greatness cool
3: i'd print out a full alien costume and then sellotape it to myself and then freak my crewmates out do you think they'd fall for that
2: because uh, i don't think anyone
3: was floating around
1: going oh my god it's john glenn oh my god it's john glenn oh my god it's john glenn, oh god, it's john glenn. <laughs> <laughs> it's true.
0: okay it is time for fact number three and that is my fact my fact this week is one of the first things that McDonald's founder, Ray Kroc, did when he bought the baseball team San Diego Padres was to sign a player called Big Mac. Very mm. good.
1: Did he do it because he was the founder of McDonald's or was he just a good baseball Big
0: player? Big Mac was a great baseball player. Uh, Willie McCovey was his real name. Um, he was he was a very good player. And obviously, Ray Kroc, who built McDonald's from a very tiny brother operation of the McDonald brothers into the global success that it was, had an eye for uh, franchising, for merchandising, for commercialization. He saw that by getting Big Mac in, he could do a lot of cross promotion. Uh, So for example, during the first season, uh, they did Big Mac Sundays. Uh, so the idea would be that you could take a ticket stub and get a free Big Mac uh, after a match if the Padres had won. Unfortunately, when the promotion started, they lost 11 straight home games. And uh, so as a result, they had to change it to whether they win or lose, you get a free Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah they fun. were terrible,
1: weren't they, when he first took over? Yeah. Was there not a thing about him uh, shouting at them on the pitch or something yeah, like he, that?
0: Yeah, the first match, um, he went. He was very excited because the idea of him signing this new player and the fact that Ray Kroc had taken over, he got the attendance right up. Um they For their opener, uh, they drew 39,000 people, but they totally sucked in the match. And as a result, he went into the booth where the commentators were commentating on the match, took over the tannoy, and he, uh, he said, I have good news and bad news. The good news is that the Dodgers drew 31,000 for their opener, and we've drawn 39,000 for ours. The bad news is that this is the most stupid baseball playing I have ever seen. He said wow. that to... The players heard, the fans, and the fans cheered. They loved it. They loved that he was being honest. Um, and then someone ran on the, on the field, a streaker, and uh, he yelled, get that streaker off the field, throw him in jail. So he was just, he was just commenting to the whole stadium of 39,000 people, his thoughts. It was amazing.
2: He was angry. Yeah.
1: Just before we did this show in Bristol, the night before, I, or the day before, I watched um, The Founder for mm. research for this, uh, which is a really good film about Ray Kroc. Uh, but I can't remember any of it now. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing I remember is that when the brothers who founded McDonald's, so this is not Ray Kroc, Mm. um, their idea was called The Method. I think, and they worked out the size of their kitchen and where everything went, so that it was the most efficient possible way of running a kitchen and the way they did it is they went to a tennis court and they had chalk and they drew all the different possibilities and they got people hired people on for very little money to try out pretending to cook all these burgers, pretending to do milkshakes, pretending to do fries uh, until they got the exact one and They did this for days and days, they eventually found the right one, and then that night it rained. And all of their chalk marks got washed away and they had to do the whole experiment. Oh, oh no. Again. no. Like the whole
3: sort of the design of the kitchen, yeah. right? like the choreography. That's very cool. Oh, yeah. wow. Do you know that Ray Kroc was in the same Red Cross company in the First World War driving ambulances as Walt Disney? Wow. Was he really? Yeah, and they both went on to be very successful in, in their they? own ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they both lied about their age to get in. Oh, really? Yeah. Really?
2: He had a really weird relationship with his wife, didn't he? Did he? Joan Croc. So she. <laughs> Croc suddenly becomes a funnier surname when you <laughs> attached to Joan. Um, so I think, first of all, they were married when he said he wanted to buy the Padres, and she said, Is that a monastery? Um, and then it seems like they must have had some tensions because, first of all, she launched an alcoholism charity called Operation Cork, which is Croc. His surname uh, spelled backwards. Um, and she used to produce TV dramas about the impact of alcoholism on families because wow. I think he was an alcoholic. So um. she she raised awareness about that. But also, when he died in 1984, she immediately gave away the estate and distributed all the money to all these, like, some great charities. And also, she gave a million dollars to the Democratic Party, which is a slap in the face because Ray Kroc was a massive Republican. He'd given, like, quarter of a million to Nixon's re-election campaign. So, yeah, she was... Uh, She sort of undid his legacy in some ways. And she
0: was amazing for the baseball team as well. Because after he passed away, she took over. But she knew virtually nothing about baseball. But in that first season after she took over, her team made it to the World Series.
1: Well, it sounds like she knew a lot about baseball, unlike her husband. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) she learned learned on the go. Yeah, he definitely didn't like it. He, at one point, after the Padres had lost 102 games, said, I bought the team to have some fun, but it's proving to be about as enjoyable as a wake, your own. That that was his... uh, Public right. comment wow. about his own team.
1: Um, your guy called Big Mac. Yeah, uh, I went on the internet and searched for some other names of baseball players, and I found that there was a guy called Thomas Lewis Fries, oh, nice. and another one called Philip Douglas Coke. Nice. So you can have Big Mac Fries and Coke as <laughs> <laughs> players. Nice. Um, some other players: Cannonball Titcomb, <laughs> <laughs> Jolly Dick Shot. Lovely. Uh, his Good. nickname was Ugly, so people called him Ugly Dick Shot. Uh, and wonderful Mounds is a nice. good name, isn't it? Nice. That?
2: Wonderful. Sorry, is that that's a
1: nickname? Surely. His first name was Wonderful. His second name was Terrific. What? Yeah. No. Well, wonderful. Terrific. Likely. Actually, Wonderful Mounds.
2: Okay. Yeah. I Wonder- mean, it wasn't the surname that I was quibbling with. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: wonderful Terrific Mounds. That's a good name. Isn't
2: yeah. That's name. Lovely. Well,
0: there's a guy in basketball called Meta World Peace. Um, that's his. That's his name. He's playing for China now, and he's changed his name to Panda. Okay. No, it just keeps, yeah, it keeps going for name there changes. There is an American
1: footballer called Lion King, surname <laughs> King, first name Lion. Yeah. Oh, cool.
2: That's so good. Did you know chicken McNuggets were almost onion McNuggets? <laughs> they trialled the oh. two, not realising that people might prefer chicken. They almost made them onions. That might be nice, really? like an
1: onion bargee.
2: I think so. Or, yeah. or an
1: onion ring.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: It's like an onion ring, but it's an onion ball.
2: Yeah, fine.
1: Oh, it's like an onion bargee, in fact.
3: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
3: There's <laughs> a the point. Do you know there's a secret rebel McDonald's operating in India?
1: Um, this is very no. cool. And you've just so, blown their cover.
3: Yeah, well, sorry, guys. Um, there, there was a big kerfuffle between McDonald's global and the Indian version of McDonald's. Do they, they
1: make McChicken bhajis? <laughs>
3: I don't know if they do. I hope they do. They do do a thing called McSpicy paneer. Oh, which is very popular; really it sells out every day. But they cancelled their franchise agreement with 150 restaurants. They said, "Oh, it's not working out for whatever reason," um, and the restaurants just kept on going, selling the food. Right. And no one stopped them oh, or intervened, right, cool. and they've right. they've left up the golden arches and everything, really? and they're still trading under the McDonald's name. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah the the cool. arches aren't always golden. There are, are they? a few exceptions. One of which is in Sedona, in Arizona, and they're turquoise. Why? Any guesses? Why? Because the yellowness blends into the desert, exactly. so you can't see it. No, it what? was. It was actually said it, it sort of clashed too much with it. Oh, so the um, opposite. Yeah, but, yeah, you, you're the right kind of lines. So, yeah, the government said, look, that kind of clashes with our desert. Uh, it looks uh, silly. Really? Do something else. Yeah.
0: I read that the guy who created the Golden Arches uh, was offered a deal very early on in the day of a cut of it forever on or a one-off payment, which was a very low sum. They and always it, take the very low they sum. Did, yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> took the low they, sum.
1: They always go in and they say, we'll offer you this very low sum. I will <laughs> yeah. offer you money for the rest of your life and they always
2: take it they never even specify the low sum do they they just say very low sum you want it
0: (laughs) okay it is time for our final fact of the show and that is james
1: okay my fact this week is that the yellow billed oxpecker bird sleeps in giraffe's armpits Mm. so cool nice We've known for a long time that they kind of hang out on these African animals like uh, giraffe and water buffalo and stuff like that. Uh, But they've only just found out that they stay there overnight as well. And that comes from a multi-year camera trap study in Tanzania's Serengeti National Park. And so they're putting the cameras on these animals in the middle of the night and they found that the birds stay there. Uh, and it seems that usually they stay there and they have this symbiotic relationship where they eat all the little bugs that live in the giraffe's armpits mm. uh, and they get the protection of the giraffe. It's Not just
3: the armpits as well. Mm, it's the yes. leg pits. It's all the pits. The crotches. every region. one of the pits. Okay. <laughs> so you can get up to seven birds in a single crotch.
2: A well, crotch? <laughs> That was that a YouTube video we used to watch in the first year of uni, I think. Really? So the birds <laughs> are on <long> crotch, yeah.
3: <laughs> but it's really good. For, uh, giraffes are great. They're great beds because they're off the ground, meaning you're mm. a bit safer as a bird. Yeah. Whereas, you know, buffalo lie down and they're unstable. Giraffe is stable. Well, except
0: yeah. when a giraffe sleeps because they've been seen in the wild to be sleeping while laying down. And what oh. they do is ah. they bend around and they use their butt as a pillow. So they bring their head right around and rest it. On that, the top of their backs. I would
1: say the best thing about being a giraffe, actually, that you yeah. can do that. It must be right. I mean, we would all kill to do that. Uh, but oxpeckers, they eat the little um, little animals, but they also eat the host bodily fluids, including mucus, blood, and snot, oh. and even the goop that you get in your eyes. Yeah. They also like to live on zebras. And I read one article. Um, I'll just read a bit of it. Um, Still in its statue-like pose, the zebra raised its tail quickly and held it out behind its body. The oxpecker immediately scuttled down onto the hairless black, shiny skin that surrounds the zebra's anal region and worked this area assiduously.
0: Mm. Mm. Sounds like an extract from Six Birds, One Crotch.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I've got a fact about symbiotic anus relationships. (laughs) So there's a kind of leech called Placobdeloides Jegascioldi which is a leech which lives inside hippo anuses it spends most of its life in fact inside a hippo's bottom and they live for about 2.6 years so they were covered in The New Scientist in 1995 and the headline was Leech Rides the Tunnel of Love because it's safe from oxpeckers. actually it's safer if you go right into the bottom and they have to swim into a hippo's bottom to have sex
1: do, you, do they wow. swim
3: into it or do they just crawl into it? I think when the hippo is underwater, in, underwater they it. swim in. But it has special tools designed to push open a hippo's sphincter. When you and say get
2: tools, inside. it's part
1: of its body. It's up. part of its body, yeah. It oh, yeah. <laughs> doesn't come along with a
2: little shovel. <laughs> One really cool symbiotic relationship I quite like is... Mm-hmm. Um, crabs and urchins oh yeah so i didn't know about this but
3: i hope we talk about victorian street children here (laughs) if we're not i'm gonna be very
1: disappointed and genital lice i hope.
2: (laughs) of course cool blimey governor (laughs) sell your crab for a farthing (laughs) stop scratching your crotch dodger No, it's neither of those things. It's sea urchins and it's just crabs, like normal crabs. And um, so urchins travel on the back of crabs, which is useful for them as it means they can travel. So urchins Mm -hmm. can't really travel very well otherwise. See the world. Exactly. Get out there, (laughs) take some photos. On that gap Yeah. Yep. (laughs) write some urchin postcards, but it's good for the crab because they can suddenly use it as a disguise or a weapon if they need to. So they can sometimes get the urchin down with their claw or like, face something with the urchin and act like they've got a really awesome spiky back.
3: Yeah. Wow. I've got another one just while we're on the symbiotic relationship role. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an ant which is called Camponotus schmitzi, which is a great name, uh, and it only lives on a single species of pitcher plant. You know pitcher mm. plants? They're the ones that... Um, that consume prey by I think they fall in or they drown, yeah, so yeah, they look so it's like, like, like big a fun- tube, yeah it? yeah, oh, wow, um, but the ants swim around in the digestive fluids of the plant, they consume the nectar of the plant and they also consume some of the prey that the plant eats, but the plants which have ants swimming around in their stomachs basically get bigger than those which don't have them because the ants keep the traps clean and they hunt mosquito larvae, which would otherwise soak up more nutrients. So it's oh. beneficial to, if you're a pitcher plant to have ants in your stomach,
2: oh, and the plants really? also
3: eat the ants' poo.
2: Nice, as well as eating the ants.
3: They don't eat the ants. The ants survive in there. The ants are tolerated within the system.
1: Yeah, you get some pitcher plants, don't you, where you get little shrews who sit on the on the side of them and then poo into them as like little toilets. Really?
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they eat the nitrogen of those. What, what's the benefit for the shrew? Because they don't mind where they just poo. It just a toilet, you know. But do they, <laughs> is that enjoyable? Cause yeah, they... it is,
1: because it can sit there reading its iPhone. Yeah. And... <laughs> okay, that makes it's sense. It's beneficial
3: you would like you wouldn't like it if we took away your toilet from you, Dan. Yeah.
0: But if the concept of toilets didn't exist for us, I would just poo here.
2: No, but right they, now.
3: they've now got the concept of
0: toilets, so they have to go
2: yeah, yeah. in the I now. mean, Dan's asked a very fair question here. What is going on? No animal understands the importance of a good sewerage system except humans. Why on earth is a shrew clambering up at the top of a flower in order to take a shit rather than I, just doing it on so the ground? I think what happens is
1: it eats something from the flower, maybe some nectar or something, yeah. and that is a laxative uh, and then
3: that makes it poo I believe that's true
2: so it almost can't get out in time it's kind of like it's eating something and it sort of has uh, to poo it's in the like power. a
3: delicious restaurant but with very bad hygiene standards <laughs> <laughs> but then they use your poo
1: to power their yeah.
3: electricity
2: oh wow where is
1: this
3: restaurant
0: <laughs> I, feel like, I feel a startup coming on <laughs> hey I've got something on armpits in the 19th century in Austria there used to be the thing where at dances uh Women would carry underneath their armpits a single slice of apple and they would hold it there all night long. And the idea was at the end of the night the girl would approach someone who they fancied a guy, uh if it was a guy that they fancied, they would go up and they would take the apple yeah. out and they would present yeah. the apple. They still
1: do that on Love Island, I think,
2: don't they? <laughs> <laughs> so well, think it to the guy. Sure.
0: present it to the guy. And if the guy eats it, he's saying, I'm keen. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow.
3: And is there any way for him to say, I'm keen, without eating the
2: armpit? <laughs> but I
3: think if
1: you're not willing to eat the apple that's been inside the yeah. armpit of your loved one, you don't love her at all.
2: You're not keen enough. Yeah. So women's armpits smell of onion, and men smell of cheese, apparently. And this is. Well, between the- us, we can have a delicious <laughs> bag of crisps. <laughs> <laughs> You know those like
1: salt, salt and shake crisps that you used to get where yeah. they don't taste of anything but you have to put your own. Yeah. Oh, salt in.
3: You're, are you proposing that you scissor someone else's armpit
2: I'm with just one crisp that. in the middle and you <laughs> get a lovely cheese
1: and onion I'm going to go cris- to an Austrian dance. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think just it doesn't cost any more just to buy cheese and onion rather than just <laughs> buying cheese and then wiping it up against a woman's armpit. That's well, true. I don't actually. see why you would. Those um,
1: crisps they were, used to be the same price as ready salted crisps, but you still had to put extra work in. That's so it, weird. It was yeah. fun. Yeah, it was fun. Actually. But this is
2: about compounds in their armpits. By the way, this isn't just people sniffing them and saying, "Oh, that's oniony." Okay. This is the the compound that women's armpits generate is something called is a thio alcohol, which when it combines with a bacteria smells like onion. And then men sweat. Sorry, has... you say alcohol. yeah, but don't go <laughs> licking women's armpits for that. Again, it's not worth it. I'll buy you a beer.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, that's it. That is all of our facts. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with any of us about the things that we have said over the course of this podcast, we can be found on our Twitter accounts. I'm on at tribaland James at james harkin andy at andrew hunter m and chazinski you can email podcast
2: at qi.com
0: yep that's right you can go to our group account at no such thing or our facebook page no such thing as a fish or our website no such thing as a fish.com do go there it's got all of our previous episodes it's got links to our upcoming shows we are always doing live shows so check it out if you ever want to see us it has everything from book links it's just got it all it's it's where we put our things okay we'll be back again next week see you then goodbye Bye.